The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You took a break, you searched your soul, and now the world's your lover. Making the world your lover. Oh, that's what we're here to do, my darlings. That's what we do through my online joy school at lisamacourt.com, through my newest book, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness, and it's what we're going to do right here, right now together on the Do Joy podcast, where I bring you fascinating guests with powerful insights for elevating your personal vibration. Deep lasting happiness is a skill you can learn, and I'm so honored to be on this journey with you. Holidaying, my beautiful friends. I hope you're finding moments of stillness and introspection and self care this week. I hope you're nurturing every glimmer of gratitude and intentionally expanding that gratitude while honoring all that you've been and done and grown into over this past year. I hope you're recognizing how wonderful you are and how rich and meaningful your journey has been, whatever it's held. Today I want to share with you a Joy School guest presenter I recently hosted who shared his remarkable journey from an exceptionally dark place to a life of joy and gratitude and service. I hope it inspires you. Dr. Alan Stephen Leica was acknowledged as one of the leading cosmetic dermatologists in the world for three decades. He was a pioneer in that field, developing procedures that changed the industry, but he left that incredibly successful career to embark on his current one, empowering us all to live a fantastic life. He's written 17 books, hosted a number one internet radio show, and we have him at Joy School today to share his positivity and magic with us. Welcome, my beautiful friend, Dr. Alan Stephen Leica. You know, it is my pleasure to be here, Lisa. I, I'm so glad to be here. In fact, with my story, I'm happy to be anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, no, I know. Why don't we just go ahead and start with your story? Because I know that was a uh, turning point for you. And turning points is, is one of the things that you love to to talk about. So tell us about sure. that. Story. Well, back in 2003, I was walking in Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. And my wife turned to me and she said, what's wrong with you, hon? I was taken aback, you know, for the first time in my life, I hadn't said anything wrong. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't even thunk anything wrong. But my wife persisted. She said, what's wrong with you? I, I, I said, dear, I don't know what you're talking about. She said, listen to your foot. I, I said, dear, that's the funniest thing you've ever said. She said, no, it's not. Listen to your foot. My right foot had suddenly and mysteriously developed a right foot drop. 
It was slapping on the pavement with each step I was taking. She said, did you have a stroke? I said, dear, you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. If I had a stroke, I'd probably be lying on the pavement, muttering something unintelligible. So no, I didn't have a stroke. Well, she said, when you get back, you better get this checked out. Well, Lisa, when your significant other tells you that, what do you do? <laughs> listen. <laughs> you listen. And so when I got back, I started seeing doctors. I started friends that were doctors. They couldn't find anything wrong. They sent me to more doctors and they sent me to more doctors. You know, by the time it was all finished, there were about a thousand doctors that I'd sent. They did CAT scans. They did brain scans. They even did scan scans. <laughs> and you know what they found at the end of the day, Lisa? No. Well, yeah, but tell them. <laughs> yeah, they found absolutely nothing. And you know what happens when doctors find absolutely nothing, Lisa? They come to conclusions. No, they can't come to conclusions because they don't okay. have the answer. So they do more tests and okay. more tests and more tests. I think I even had tests that weren't even invented then. They just invented tests to do tests. So at the end of the day, they still found absolutely nothing. They found butkus. So then they got together and they said, oh, we're going to send you to a world-leading neurologist. Now, a neurologist is the brain guy. He's got the answers to all the puzzles. You know, he's like Dr. House on TV and figures everything out. So I... Uh, went to him and I walked in and I said, hi. And he said, hi back. You better be sitting down when I tell you this. I said, why? I've got a dropped right foot. He said, no, you don't. You have ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. I said, get your affairs in order because in six months, you're going to be dead. You know, I was taken aback. I said, is there a way to prove this diagnosis? He said, of course, on autopsy. I told him, I'm not going to die to prove you wrong. So I left his office. I slammed the door. But you, when you go through trauma like this, you go through some very characteristic phases. They were written by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in her book on death and dying. You go through anger. And I was angry. I was angry at the world. I couldn't have bit the head at off nails. I was angry at my staff. I was angry at my patients. I was angry at my wife. I was angry at my children. And, you know, the only good thing about anger is it motivates you. It pushes you to do something. But the other phases are equally interesting. They're bargaining. You bargain. You say, God, please don't let this happen. I'll do anything if you don't let this happen. But I thought God wasn't listening, at least not then. I went through denial. You know, I said, there's nothing wrong. I can do anything. So I pushed myself hard at work. But you know, I had a dropped right foot. And then my right hand stopped working. And I couldn't do the surgery I was doing as a cosmetic surgeon. But I was smart. I had a good left hand. And I learned how to do everything with my left hand, even though I was right-handed before. 
I even invented instruments back then that were designed for left-handed doctors because they didn't exist back then. So then you go through a phase of depression. Lisa, have you ever been depressed? I think I have, yes. Yeah. You know, has anybody in this room been depressed? Raise your hands if you've been. Yeah. Depression is one of the worst things because you can lay in bed all day staring at the ceiling not doing anything. Everything's black. Everything's nasty. You can't sleep. You can't eat. And why should you? You're going to die anyhow. So you're getting depressed. Now I've seen people die from ALS. It's a terrible disease. They end up not breathing. They end up not doing. So I had planned to kill myself. I had a big plan to do that. But before I did that, I went to my wife and I said, here, what do I have? She said, I haven't got the faintest idea, but you're smart. You'll figure it out. I said, dear, I've seen thousands of doctors. They couldn't figure it out. She said, well, perhaps you haven't seen the right doctor yet. Now that was brilliant. Now, and back in 2003, something brand new was invented. You guys might've heard about it. It's called the internet. Anybody hear about that beautiful thing? But back then, it was primitive. You had to get on with dial-on connections. You had to take a phone, put it into a cradle, and it went for something like 15 minutes. And if it connected, you can get on to people on the other side. Now, back then, our computers did not have Dr. Google. They did not have Dr. Yahoo. They did not have all the amazing things we had. You had to communicate with a language called DOS because there was no memory in computers. I mean, you had to get on and just communicate. Well, I had friends that were nerds and they found a doctor in Colorado Springs, Colorado by the name of David Martz. And David had a story very similar to mine, but it was a bit different. He got worse much more rapidly and he was within days of having diagnosis he was on his deathbed and you know he was such a beloved doctor people from around the world were coming to say goodbye to david and the doctor from texas came up and he looked at david and he said i think there's something wrong with this picture i don't think you have lou gehrig's disease david said what do i have he said you know you're an outdoorsy person and I think you've been bitten by a tick. And that tick has caused a disease called chronic Lyme's disease, which is a neurological illness that mimics a lot of things, he said. And David whispered, because that's all he could do. He said, what do I do? The doctor from Texas said, you need not do anything. I'm going to start you on treatment. And if I'm right, you will get rapidly better. Now, David said, what do I have to lose? I'm dying. So he started him on treatment. And amazingly, he was like Lazarus arising from the dead. Within five days, he was back to his usual self. Now, David was amazing, and he wrote about these experiences. I heard about him, and I knew I had to talk to him. So I phoned every hospital in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where he lived. And I got in touch with him at the Methodist Hospital. 
And we talked for hours. And he said, Dr. Laika, can you come down to see me? And I said, sure, when? He said, what about right now? And I said, I can't, David. It's our Thanksgiving. My wife's invited 50 people over. And if I came down, she'd be really mad at me. He said, well, aren't there any planes in Canada? <laughs> so I went to my wife, my hat in my hand. And I said, dear, I'm not going to be here for Thanksgiving. She said, why? We have 50 people coming over. I said, dear, there's a doctor in Colorado Springs that claims he can help me. My wife did a 180 degree turn and she said, dear, what are you waiting for? I'll pack your bags for you. I'll drive you to the airport and let's, you're wasting time. Let's get you there. So I got on a plane to go from Edmonton to Denver. It's two and a half hours long, beautiful flight. But then I got on a little rinky dink puddle jumper from Denver to Colorado Springs. Anybody being on a rinky dink puddle jumper, raise your hands. Well, this one is particularly bad because at the end of the day, the air comes off the desert and that causes turbulence, which causes eddies. Now, what happens is the plane will be flying around and then it'll drop a hundred feet without warning. <laughs> then it'll climb back to its regular height and then it'll drop 200 feet without warning. Then it'll climb back to its regular height and it'll drop 300 feet without warning. It's like the drop of doom at Disneyland over and over and over again. Now, fortunately, it's only a 15-minute flight. Now, when I got off that plane, I crawled off, and there was David on the tarmac to meet me. He said, you're not looking so good. And I said, you know, I'm not feeling so good. Well, he said, you know, it's probably just an example of what's happening to you said, let's go talk. And we talked for hours and he said some magic words. He said, Dr. Laika, I think history is repeating itself. So he started me on treatment and that's why I'm here today. Oh my goodness. That was so much <laughs> You took us on that whole ride of that story with you. And I knew the story, but I was still very caught up in, in that ride. At Joy School, we talk a lot about how our worst nightmares can be our greatest blessings in disguise. And I know that you you talk about this. Well, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, after I was treated, I decided to give more back. And so I uh, sponsored a, an event called Women of Distinction, which was held by the YWCA. And that's where we honor women in society, because even today, Lisa, you know that women are not respected and not get the kudos that they still deserve. And it's still an upward battle that women have to face. And so I decided that I was going to support that cause. Now, in doing so, a wonderful lady by the name of Harriet Tinka applied for one of the awards. And Harriet is a world-class model and she had left the modeling industry because it's a doggy dog breakfast and she said i'm going to do my second love which is accounting now 
Harriet uh, decided to take accounting at the University of Calgary, which is a university about three hours outside of Edmonton. And she decided to, to take her studies there. But there she was befriended by a psychopath who ended up kidnapping her, stabbing her, and leaving her dead. Now, Harriet uh, was brought to the hospital. She didn't know how she got there. But a little girl, when she was going through rehab, wheeled up to Harriet and asked Harriet her story. And Harriet told her her story. And Harriet was really beside herself. She was moribund. She was depressed. And this little girl had lost both of her parents in a car accident and lost the use of her legs. And she gave Harriet hell. She said to Harriet, Harriet, I'm going to do something with my life. Why don't you do something with yours? And that's why Harriet applied for this award, because she wanted to meet me, and she wanted to meet me to write a book. She said, Dr. Leica, we have to write a book. And that's where we wrote a book called The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life. Now, that book became a, an immediate bestseller, and it was released at the beginning of 2020. And I was going to go around the world speaking. But you know what happened in 2020? A little problem emerged on the face of the earth called COVID. And the world shut down for two years. And I couldn't go around the world speaking. So I started a podcast, which became a syndicated radio show. And that podcast is called How to Live a Fantastic Life. It now has 7 million listeners a month. And Lisa's been on my show and it keeps growing my show because it's being supported by Apple and Apple is pushing it higher and higher and higher. And, you know, I suspect within a couple of months, we'll have 10 million listeners a month. So it, it is really being on a growth thing. Now, who doesn't want to learn how to have a fantastic life? Who doesn't want to know the secrets to living a fantastic life? So it's been a wonderful journey. And part of the reason it's so successful, I have such amazing guests like Lisa on the show, because she is such an amazing person. And every one of my guests is amazing. So it really helps me. You know, it's easy to be a giant when you step on the shoulders of giants. Oh, honey, I loved our conversation so much. And that's what made me say, you need to come talk to the Joy Schoolers too, because I wanted to hear more of your story. And, you know, the the whole idea about the golden pearls that you write about in, in the book, how, how pearls are born of irritation and suffering, but that's what makes this beautiful. Yeah, let me go into that a little bit more because okay. what, what Harriet and I wrote about were golden pearls. And golden pearls are amazing in that, they are little grains of sand that get inside of an oyster. Now that oyster doesn't get destroyed by that grain of sand. What it does is wall them off and they make these beautiful pearls. Now golden pearls exist in the South Pacific and they are so unique and rare 
that a single solitary perfect golden pearl cost upwards of $10,000. Now, the golden pearls that Harry and I found that are deep down in each and every one of us are even more valuable than those golden pearls there. They are just something we write about. Each little chapter begins with a story, which is sort of a parable that ends up. And then we go into the dialogue that Harriet and I had as we wrote the book. So this book is rather unique. It's a rather unique book. Now we had started writing about 20 golden pearls and people said, well, that's too many. Can you cut it down? So we cut it down to 13 golden pearls. And of course, there's going to be a sequel with more golden pearls. We've been so busy doing other things. We haven't had a chance to get there yet. Absolutely. And so the pearls are born of the experience of contrast, the, the depth and poignancy that you were able to reach through this extremely impactful, well, as, as unwelcome Harriet's, episode. As Harriet says, from tragic to magic. Mm-hmm. That, that is a beautiful saying, and I'd love everybody to think of that, from tragic to magic. That's what is a beautiful saying everybody should have on a little three-by-five card on their mirror, and they should read it every day. Because no matter what depths you're going through, no matter what hardship you're going through, you will find there is even a more magic time. Now, those things don't have to be as cataclysmic as what happened in my life, but everybody has things in their life that they have to rise above. Everybody has things they have to get above, and this is what helps you do it. It helps you to climb up that ladder to get to a new level of being. Would you say, Dr. Leica, that even after everything you've been through, that you you're grateful for the experience? Does, is that you know, in, in retrospect, as, as I said, God wasn't listening to me, but he was listening to me. He allowed me to take another path. He allowed me to see a much more beautiful day. He allowed me to really uh, see what this is all about. And so the answer is it's, it's been a marvelous, fantastic experience. It really has uh, changed me. It has really shaped me. It has really done things in such a way that I am grateful for everything that happened to me. And, and every day, my day begins with gratitude. I write about three things I'm going to be grateful each and every day. And of course, being on the show was one of them. Another thing, uh, although it's not my Thanksgiving, I'm grateful for the Thanksgiving. All my friends are going to be sharing over the next couple of days, you know, and then at night, I also end my day with gratitude. I go through the things that I'm grateful for that happened with me today. And I think if anybody wants to change their life, That is a simple way to start doing it. 100%. Another thing uh, is maybe do a 20-minute rewind of all the things that happened to you. There are so many things that happened to you. Look at, at Sylvia there who got power in her house. You know, 
can you picture the amazing rewind that she could do there about how she had to get first pay her bill, then get people there. And here it was a, a five minute job that fixed the whole problem. Now there's an amazing rewind that went on there and, and, and there's something that that's going to happen. I, I know Tim is having some problems in his personal life right now, but here he is going to have some time to spend with his, his children in the next day, which is again, really a blessing to have, you know, I have four wonderful daughters and eight wonderful grandchildren, and I enjoy every minute that I spend with them. And that is truly something that you can enjoy a lot. And, and, and I, I have a wonderful wife that we've spent 42 years together now, I can't say every day has been wonderful, and I can't say we still don't disagree. We do. But, you know, the answer is we agree more on the things that we disagree. And those are things that really uh, keep everything going. And, and I know some of you had had breakdowns in your families, and there's exes and things like that. Well, you know, those things happen, and not everything's perfect. But, you know, those experiences have helped to shape you into what you are now. And if you're going through a recent separation or divorce, you know, those things you will look back at and say, you know, those things happen. But the important thing is that I'm a more whole person. I've learned to adapt. I've learned to rely on myself. I've learned to be a better person because of those experiences. Lisa mentioned that she had next too. Well, you know, those things happen, but she still gets together at these special times with those people to, to, to let those bygones be bygones and move forward with that. You know, jet pilots do not have rear view mirrors. You know, they're always looking at the future. And I think that probably would be a good motto for everybody to remember that jet pilots do not have rear view mirrors and you can only work on the future. You can't work on the past. The past is gone. It's done. So, you know, my way of trying to do things in a simple way is every day I make three goals to accomplish. I don't have 20 goals. I don't have 30 goals. I have three little goals to accomplish. And that allows me to concentrate on the here and now. You know, if you have too many things going on, you're going to fail. You know, there's just too much going on. So if you can simplify that list, make that list easy. People say, well, how can I do that? Well, first of all, remember, all of you have a superpower. Everybody has a superpower. And that superpower is evident when you look for it. And, you know, I put together a, a wonderful resource for people called a life quality assessment. Uh, and that's at lifequalityassessment.com. And, and Lisa will make that available to everybody. There's 25 short questions there that will show you exactly where you are on the journey of life. 
And then there's a manual that will show you how to get to the next level. Now, I'm also putting down an amazing little course that will help people in the next little while. It should be up very shortly. It's called The Nine Elements of a Fantastic Day. Now, if you use those nine elements every single day, every one of your days will be fantastic. Some of you will say, well, some of my days are fantastic. Some of my days are not. Can you picture what it would be like if every one of your days was fantastic, how it would change the world? Now, when I thought of this to begin with, I thought, well, what are the elements that make every day fantastic? And if I did those elements each and every day, wouldn't this day be amazing that way? So I'm just in the process of recording the nine elements and they'll be together in a little course in the next little while. But everybody who does my left life quality assessment will be told about that course and be able to jump in on it. And it'll be at a very reasonable price. So you don't have to spend a lot for it. I really want people to have that really fantastic life that I've been able to achieve. And I really want everybody to spend the time that they have. So let's suppose one of the days of your life is a fantastic day right now. Now, because the average male lives to about 87, that only gives me 2,400 or so days left. But if I make every day fantastic, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that makes 14,000 fantastic days. Well, isn't that even better? Now, every one of you can do that calculation yourself and figure out how many fantastic days you'd have. But I think, you know, how many of you would like to have every day fantastic rather than the odd day fantastic. Yeah, so this is why I'm doing this. It's been a revolution in my thinking on how people can really get to another level and really live that fantastic life that they should be in. So for those of you interested in home play, there is the life quality assessment that you can take. And I loved the suggestion to every morning set three goals, no more. So you might have 25 things on your to-do list, set three priority goals. It'll be a good way to simplify, have that fantastic life that Dr. Leica is telling us about. And what we, what we address a lot here, Dr. Leica, is that our suffering is not usually really about what's going on in our life, but how we're thinking about it. It's all, most of our suffering is, is mental, mental suffering. It's, it's self-created. Do you feel that there was a shift in your perception of, of life, of your circumstances that's led you to be able to have this fantastic life? Was your life less fantastic prior to this huge contrast experience that gave you this new mindset. Absolutely. You know, there's an amazing man by the name of Viktor Frankl, who was a prisoner of war during the, during the second world war. And he was in a concentration camp because he was Jewish. Now, Viktor Frankl, wrote an amazing book and I'm just going to look it up as we're talking because and search for meaning. 
you've got it. Like somehow that escapes me all the time. Man's search for meaning. And you have to really read that. Everybody has to read the book. Now, why? Because although he was a prisoner of a concentration camp, he really realized it was his thoughts on things that were causing him to suffer. You know, when he was given a potato, he rejoiced in it because that potato was so necessary for him to survive. You know, he would make jokes about his life. You know, he, he'd tell another fellow prisoner when a prison guard was being terrible to him. He said, you know, I knew that prison guard when he was manager of my bank. You know, it, it, little things like that that really shaped his thinking. And I think Viktor Frankl survived the concentration camp because of his beautiful reshaping of things. You know, he says in that book that he, he knew when people would die because they'd end up literally giving up. They'd end up stop uh, having breadth and depth of meaning. And they knew that person would die within a month. Now, it's the same thing that happened to me. You know, I could have committed suicide. I could have ended it all. But I pushed forward. I said, no, there is a solution for this problem. There is hope for this problem. There is a way out of this problem. I said, what if this doctor is wrong? You know, and, and believe it or not, doctors are wrong sometimes. I, I was a doctor and I do admit I was wrong at times. And, you know, fortunately, doctors aren't wrong that often. This doctor was wrong. And when I would work and, and so on, I'd see him in the building and I'd said, geez, I'm still here. Must be something wrong with that diagnosis, you know? And I'd laugh about it and he'd laugh about it. And then he came to a new meaning as a result of it. He said, chronic Lyme's disease? What's that? You know, doctors are, are wonderful people and they don't always have the right answers, but it's like four blind men looking at an elephant. Now, remember they're blind, so they can't see the elephant. So one will touch the leg and say, the elephant's like this. Another one will touch the tail and they'll say the elephant's like this. Another one will touch the body and say the elephant's like this. Another one will touch the trunk and the elephant's like this. But you don't see the whole picture because you're blind. So you really can see the whole thing. And what this experience has done has helped to lessen my blindness. It's helped me to see things in a different way. And, and what I've learned is just like you have, Lisa, is that joy is really the important thing in all this. That happiness is the important thing of all this. If we're not full of joy and not full of happiness, we're always looking at the dark side of things. We're always looking at the negative side of things. Now, I must admit, I looked at the negative side of things a lot. And at a doctor, you have to look at the negative side of things because many things go wrong. So if you're not prepared to deal with those negative things, you will not really do well. Now, the good thing about negative preparation is that helps you overcome the things that 
But if you live in that negativity, you don't get the same benefits you do if you're in the positive world, the joyful world, the happy world. So people need to turn their spotlight 180 degrees from the darkness to the light. And, and that's what I was able to do. I was able to get out of the funk, out of the negativity, and get into a more positive thing. And this is what I concentrate on my show. And I've interviewed over 700 guests now on my show. And we always end the show with two questions. Number one is, how do you live a fantastic life? And secondly is, how do you recommend our listeners have a fantastic life? And there's a lot of different answers for that, just like mm -hmm. there are a lot of different people. But those answers help people to develop a new way of living. They help to develop new ideas, new beautiful things. And it really helps people to, to get a new perspective at life. And really, it's all about perspective. It's all about looking at things in different ways. It's all about putting those nine elements of a fantastic day in every day that you do. And, and people say, is that hard? Everything in life is a bit difficult. But you know, if you're riding a bicycle for the first time, it's very difficult. But when you start riding that bicycle, it becomes really easy and becomes a very simple thing to do. You know, everything in life that I've really accomplished, I've found difficult. You know, I'm not a natural writer yet. When I was a cosmetic surgeon, I wrote 17 books. And when I was, was since I've uh, retired in 2019, I've written three best-selling books and there's more on the way. You know, writing is not necessarily a natural skill, but the hardest thing about writing is two things. One is you have to put your butt on the seat of a chair and do it. And the second one is you have to slit your wrists and bleed. Mm. You have to be vulnerable. You have to allow yourself to be vulnerable because if you're not vulnerable, you will never allow those things to get out there. And, and, you know, I think Brené uh, uh, Brown has talked a lot about vulnerability and how it's the secret to our success. Being vulnerable allows us to be happy, allows us to be joyful, allows us to succeed. But unless we're willing to be vulnerable, we'll never make it. Like if you want to win a race, you have to put it all on the line. And you might lose that race. but Unless you try to win with everything in your heart and your soul, and you're vulnerable to the fact that you may lose, you'll never get there. That is beautiful advice. That is so true. Vulnerability is definitely our secret sauce at Joy School, for sure. It's how we heal. It's how we bring up all those, those stored away pockets of energy that are limiting us. I love that you're talking about vulnerability. And I, I love that your story is such a dramatic example of all of your suffering during that time was due to believing a thought that wasn't even true. And how many of us can look at 
are suffering right now and and really challenge that thought because yours turned out to be in a very obvious way untrue. But so many of the thoughts that are causing us suffering when we really challenge them and look underneath them and get that different perspective and see the whole elephant, those thoughts that are are bringing our joy down are, are really not even true thoughts most of the time. So I, I love that how well your story demonstrates that. Dr. Leica, tell the listeners where they can find you. You know, I'm all over the place. Uh, my podcast syndicated radio show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life. It's on all Apple platforms and it's on the Brushwood Media Network. Uh, Brushwood Media Network is uh, run by my friend Stephen O'Connor and he has put me on that network and I'm on a digital radio network as a result. Now people are going to say, what is that? Well, I don't know if any of you know, but the AM networks are dying. AM is no longer going to be here very soon because new car makers as of next year are no longer going to put AM radios in their cars. So you either have to go digital or FM or not listen to radio. So I'm on a digital radio network called the Brushwood Media Network, which is across the United States and Canada. And it is something brand new and it is going to be the next hurrah in all this. Now, I'm also every place that podcasts can be. So look up Dr. Alan Leica and also look up How to Live a Fantastic Life because there's some really good things there. Now, I also uh, do a podcast called Doc Fix That where I fix businesses on the air and that is my Saturday show. And that has become very popular. And very soon, a new show is coming out called The Secrets to Beauty. Because when I was a cosmetic doctor, uh, I used to run a show similar to that. And uh, Tim Cook, the head of Apple, said, could we bring that back? There's so much misinformation out there. So we've recorded 11 shows. They will be launched uh, the beginning of December. And it will be another thing that people look at if they're interested in any of those other things. So, you know, I keep developing things. I keep doing things. I keep helping people. And what I found, you know, my, my goal originally was to help 7 million people with having a fantastic life. You know, I do that every month now, so I can only see how high the sky is going to be as these things happen. And it truly is amazing. And, you know, a lot of this happened because of the pandemic. I mean, because of the pandemic, my show wouldn't have developed and it wouldn't have gotten out there and we wouldn't have had such reliable means to communicate around the world, such as Zoom. You know, these things developed because of the pandemic. And, and you know, every time there's been something terrible that's happened in the world, great things have come out about it. You know, in the First World War, uh, because of the dogfights that were going on in pilots, they had to learn how to do eye surgery right away. So out of that came the treatment of cataracts. And so we learned to develop cataracts because of that. 
the first antibiotic was developed in the first world war called penicillin because of the infections that were going on. So now we have all these wonderful antibiotics to keep us uh, from dying from all these infections that go on. You know, the Vietnam war saw something amazing in that, you know, there were a lot of terrible things that went on, but the American uh, medics found a way to pick up the soldiers, take them out of the battlefield and patch them up right away. Well, that was a renaissance in helping soldiers uh, recover from things. Now, another thing that I was involved with was, uh, you know, many people were blown up by incendiary bombs, these bombs that cause fire. And there are so many people that get scarred from these in terrible ways, and these scars really cause awful things. Well, when I was a dermatologist, I learned about a new laser system that actually melted these scars and made them disappear. And I was one of the top 10 in the world and using this technology to make those scars vanish. And I remember one story of one beautiful lady in Egypt that I went to who was so badly scarred, she couldn't eat. She had to drink everything through a straw. She couldn't lift up her head to see the stars. She couldn't do anything. So I was in Egypt teaching doctors and, and helping them. And I brought my laser along and uh, she said, treat me and treat me as aggressively as you can. I only can get one treatment. Now, usually it takes months to get these treatment done, but I did it for her and a miracle happened. At the end of two weeks, all her scars had vanished. She could now smile for the first time in years. And she was so happy because she could lift her head to see the stars. Mm. So it truly has been an amazing journey I've been on. It's been truly amazing. Check me out, uh, Dr. Alan Laika. I'm everywhere that podcasts can be. I'm everywhere that uh, the Brushwood Media uh, Network is. And I want everybody to have a fantastic life. I want everybody to have that joy and that satisfaction that I've experienced. I love that goal. We love you. Thank you so much for being with us at Joy School today. All right, I want to open it up to y'all. Talk to Dr. Lyko. We, we like to have everybody's voice in these conversations. Yeah, Tim, what you got, love? All right. Well, I was just thinking of this because I think it goes along with, with what... <clears throat> Dr. Leica, you were talking about. So I just yesterday I was listening to the Andrew Huberman podcast and he was talking about this. It was a series of studies that were done at multiple universities and the, the format was kind of the same. They would have people come in and they would, they would write a journal entry about the most difficult thing that ever happened to them, you know, like a traumatic event, just something that they carried a lot of pain about and they would journal on it for, and the time varied. So some of them were 15 minutes up to, it ranged up to 30 minutes. They, it, they ended up finding that the time didn't matter. So 15 to 30, it was, the results were the same. And they would just have them 
typical stream of conscious journaling, right? Not worry about, about spelling, any of that. Don't worry about it. If anybody's ever going to see it, it's just for you. Like just try to stay in the flow and write the entire time and just tap into the emotion of what happened. So they would have them come in on the first day and do that. Then they would have them come in the next day and do the same thing. And then the third day and the fourth day. Well, what they found is then when they went back and, and looked and for that first day, they would circle any of the words that were used in that journal entry that had a more negative connotation. And then they would put a, a rectangle around any of the words that had a more positive connotation. And in that first journal entry that they did, it was mostly negative. Like most most of the words were ones that that were circled. Well, by the fourth day, the majority were rectangle, like, and without any other intervention. I mean, that you know, it wasn't like they were doing therapy in between, like it really was just them doing the journal entries. And just through that process, they were able to move from a more negative view of what had happened to a more positive view. Which yeah, I think that's, is that's really a- powerful, and it talks about our, the, like you were saying, you can't change the past, but you can change your perception of the past. And, and that's why I recommend everybody read Viktor Frankl's works in his book, because truly that's wonder, one of the most dramatic ways that Victor was a very positive person, and he started a whole school of psychology on that. And, you know, it it truly is amazing how you change your glasses to rose-colored glasses from the things, how the world totally behaves differently. But it also changes your brain. It also rewires your brain. You know, our brain is set to a default mechanism to go to flight, fright, fight, or freeze. That's how our primitive brain is always there trying to protect us from the elements. So if something's chasing us, we're either going to, uh, we're going to have a fright reaction. We're going to have a flight reaction. We're going to have a freeze reaction so we can play like a possum so that the danger doesn't attack us. So, you know, we have to realize that those four F's are there And that's how our default mechanism is to everything that's attacking us. And to our primitive brain, everything is attacking us every day. Everything's on the attack. So we have to rewire our brain and teach our brain properly in order to get above that default mechanism. And a lot of that is by concentrating on joy and happiness. A lot of that is concentrating on the good things in our life. A lot of that is rewiring our brain to see things better. You know, when you buy a white car, all of a sudden every car is white on the street. Now, if you buy a red car, every car is red on the street. That's because your brain has already opened up to see those things. But until you bought that new car in that white or red color, you don't see it because your brain is closed to that. The reticular activating system. Yes, that's the part of the brain that that makes, decides what comes through as our reality. 
And so, Tim, I believe you were you were saying that that just giving yourself that it's really a matter of attunement, right? Like we do in Joy School, we we give one another the gift of attunement. You can give it to yourself through writing your thoughts and feelings, and just through that self attunement, it's already going to become better and and feeling better. That that's amazing. I'd love to have that study. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Yeah, Sylvia, share something with us, love. More than share, it's a question, but I don't know if it's a question that can be answered. What are the nine secrets of having a fantastic day? Well, let me pull those up because I've been working on the last little while and I don't want to misquote them. So let me just pull this up on my screen and read them to you, okay? Well, the nine elements are this. Number one, you have to start on your priorities. Priorities are very important. You have to really concentrate on those. And that's why I say concentrating on three things every day is so important. The second one is you, your energies. You have to concentrate on the things that energize you and you have to develop those energies. You know, either we're being sapped by everything in the world or we develop a power plant in ourselves. And really, we are power plants ourselves to drive ourselves to a new level. You just have to tune into it. The third is our strengths. You have to find your superpower. And once you find your superpower, that's where you should stay at. Because the superpower is the most important thing that you should concentrate on. Now, what is your superpower? Well, everybody has a different one. Now, in my course, I go through several mechanisms to, to, to figure those out and things like that. The fourth one is clarity. You have to have a clear vision of where you want to go. There's an old saying that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. So you really have to develop your clarity for things and understand what your clarity is. And again, in my course, I go through how to develop your clarity in doing that. Expectations are the next one. You know, if you have bad expectations for things, as Tim talked about, everything's going to be bad. But if you develop important expectations, expectations that work well, they're there. Next one is victories. You need to concentrate on your victories, not on your losses. Why? If you concentrate on victories, more of them are going to come about. Victories really make a huge difference in things. The next one is being thankful or grateful because thankfulness and gratefulness are a large part of that. And in my course, I go through several different ways why thankfulness is important and also how you can develop more thankfulness in your life. Next one is pay it forward. Why? Well, if you pay it forward, it's amazing how things come back to yourself. And the last one is give to yourself every day. Now, 
that doesn't mean you have to be selfish. It just means you have to realize you're number one on your list. Your, your family and friends are second. Everybody is third. You are number one. So every day you should do something nice for yourself to make that happen. You know, when I was a cosmetic doctor, every day my staff after lunch would give me a cup of tea. And it became a ritual. And they knew that if I had my cup of tea, I was such a might nicer mannered person and everything would work well. You know, that's such a small thing to do, to give yourself a cup of tea every day and to make things that much better. That, that is something that really is, is a small thing, but you can do other things. You can go for a walk. You could go uh, read a book. You could do a little bit of exercise. You can do things like go on a show like this when you have other priorities. You can spend time doing some things for yourself. You could uh, go to the library and pick up a book. You know, reading is something that's so underestimated as something that's important. Look at this library that's behind me. You know, I've read hundreds, if not thousands of books on things. And that has helped me have a new perspective on things. So doing something for yourself is the last one on that list. It's a great list. Can't go wrong with those practices. Thank you so much. Now you say that's a lot of things to do. Well, actually, no, it's not. That takes a couple of, you you just have to build it into your routine. You know, building into a routine is very important. Routines are very important. Yeah. I think on the the gratitude issue, you know, what we talk about sometimes is is that we feel like we should be grateful sometimes. It's almost like gratitude becomes a burden because we look around and say, oh, people, you know, don't have what I have. I should be grateful. I should be grateful. And I think that's where a contrast experience like like yours, Dr. Leica, can can actually be so life-changing. It, it gives us the genuine gratitude around things that many of us just naturally take for granted, not because we're horrible humans, but because it's just human nature to take for granted what's never been threatened in your life and then when something is it really does just ignite that whole authentic natural gratitude right exactly you know and as i say by having it part of a ritual being grateful for three things every morning and grateful for three things every evening it really is not a bad thing you know as i said here I was talking about the miracle that happened with COVID and how it helped us to get closer together. It helped us to communicate better. It helped us to do things. Now, I will never say I loved COVID. I will never say uh, it was a great thing, but it allowed us to develop to another level. And as I say, these days in our life can be the best days in our life, or they can be the worst days in our life. It all depends how we look at them. Yeah, for sure. I wonder how many how many of us are still living in a heightened state of gratitude over things that we never knew could be taken away so easily as, you know, as we experienced during those years of isolation and and Well, the first thing I ask everybody to do is please turn off the news. You know, the news makes everybody very negative. I mean, 
I, I know there's a terrible situation going on in Gaza right now and, the, and with Israel. There's a terrible war going on in the Ukraine. But, you know, those are going to be going on whether I listen to them or not. You know, they're going to be going on. And I trust the greater powers that be to solve these problems. You know, that's why we've elected them into office and we've elected them to help solve the problems of the world. You know, it's not for me to be worrying about everything there going on every day. Really, I don't know. I need to know about a shooting that goes on in Manhattan today. I don't need to know about all these things that are nasty every day. You know, those things are really something that drags us down and really hurts us. I don't need to know everything on social media about all the nasty things that are happening. I don't need people to be dragged down every day. So, you know, if you use things, use them positively. Don't use them negatively in your life. I've heard that perspective a lot, and I certainly see all the validity in that. And I think that that for some people, Sylvia has expressed this, and my my daughter, I have, a, I think I shared with you, Doctor. Like, I have a transgender daughter, and it it always, I used to say, like, stop reading all the horrible things, stop reading. But I think that for some people, an awareness, if if you can notice your energy and if the awareness is plummeting your, your energy, like, like in the scenario that you described, then yes, absolutely. You have to turn off the news. I think for some people, the understanding, the fullness of it actually can have a different effect. It can, it can sort of give them a, a deeper appreciation for where, where life is going right. It's almost like, like using the contrast for good. Some uh, Sylvia has described this very eloquently in our, our groups before how sometimes she finds that, that, that awareness of what is happening is, um, is, is actually a buoying sort of a, a effect on her energy. And I've come to understand that from my transgender daughter too, that I want to protect her from understanding how much hatred there is in the world for some people just because of the way they're naturally born. But, but it's like she needs to have that full picture and the full depth and it, it actually serves a positive role. Yeah, and I can understand that the thing I, I don't like is how it goes overboard and how it is pushed, you know, in the news media, there's a saying, if it bleeds, it leads. Mm -hmm. That That is what the media is based on. It's based on controversy. It's based on negativism. And the bleeds, it leads philosophy is really bad. You know, they also have something called the 24-hour news cycle. So every 24 hours, they have to bring up something negative again, something even more dramatic than the other thing. How many, how, how much of you during the COVID epidemic were told every day how many people were in the hospital and how many people were dying and how many people were on the waiting list? Now the world, did that really help us to know blow by blow, day by day, this thing that was going on? You know, I trust my public health people to do the right things. I trust my medical people to do the right things. But that degree of knowledge was harmful. In fact, it's so harmful now, uh, none of these news places will cover any stories about COVID anymore. And, you know, believe it or not, there's a lot of COVID going on right now. There's a lot of COVID going on, a lot of people in hospital with it. So, you know, a little too much Thank knowledge you. is too much. 
<laughs> people just got too so tired of it that it, it stopped being a because it's still bleeding it's still bleeding but it's not leading but you yep. think people just got saturated oh yeah and in fact when i've talked to news people they say no it's going to plummet our ratings if we have it up there mm. wow that's a turnaround yeah, I, I remember talking with a, another podcaster, a good friend of mine, Summer Mixed Traffic, and, and we were talking about how like COVID seemed to be over. But I was like, where are the parades and the parties? Like, I while we were in the thick of it, I kept thinking, like, one day they're going to get it. We're going to have this under control and the whole world is going to rejoice and it's going to be this wave of joy and happiness and relief. All and it didn't happen. I mean, well, the the thing is, it's uh, sadly, I don't think it's going to be over. It's going to be part of our regular environment now. And so, you know, when you catch it, it's going to be like catching a cold. It's going to be like catching the flu. So it's not going to be as devastating as it was. But sadly, it's going to be there as another thing that we have to contend with. And I guess that's reason enough not to celebrate it. To me, when all the mask requirements were dropped and travel resumed and, you know, those were big markers that there's something to celebrate here. But that's just, I guess, not something that's going to lead. So there you go, my darlings. You get to decide what to make the lead stories in your life. As much as it feels like that ticker tape of thoughts constantly scrolling through your mind is outside your control, the truth is you can take control of where you place your precious, precious attention and which thoughts and stories you subscribe to and which ones you cancel your subscriptions to. And the more you do that, the more skilled you become at that, the more beautiful your life. It's what we practice together at Joy School and it's the perfect time to join us as we begin a new cycle through the 12 keys to sustainable happiness. I'm so looking forward to sharing this new coming year with you all. Thank you for being here. Deepest gratitude and love to you, my beautiful listener tribe with representation in 30 countries all across the globe. I'm so honored to spend this time with you. If you're wondering about my online events, my books, joining my Joy School community, all of that is waiting for you at lisamccourt.com. I look forward to connecting with you there. Much love. Untie your hands and throw them up because the world's your lover. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, 
Lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.